How's everybody doing? All right, that's good. That's good. I am too. I'm pretty stinking excited. This is week three of Live Free or Die Trying, and everybody's like, I don't want to die trying, and that's good. We're not hopefully going to. So that's, yeah, so that's good. Um, but like, here's, here's the deal. If you've missed, if you're a guest with us today, we want to tell you how pumped up that you are here with us. We, we are honored that you would choose to worship with us in the first two weeks, what you've missed so far. Uh, the first two weeks is, is this is about Abraham, and this is about his journey, leaving his father's country, which is Ur, a place that was, was comfortable, that he was rich, and he worshipped a different god, the moon god, and, and it was the wise thing to do was to stay put, right? But he left, and, and it's the picture of jumping and having nothing under us, and that is truly faith. And then last week was, what about when circumstances get tough? When we've jumped and we follow God, what about when circumstances get tough? What do we do at that point? What do we do at that point? We, do we try to fix it all and, and cover it up and, and lie? Or do we really trust God through all of our circumstances? And now this week, and I'm pretty excited about that. Hey, if you've got your worship guides, can you show them to me? Can you all hold them up and wave them like this? That's good. That's what most people have them. That's awesome. Uh, fill those out on the back, if you will. Your card at some point doesn't have to be right this second. But this is what we want to know today. Because as I'm talking, uh, we want to pray with you as we did last week. We were honored that I think it was 78 people turned in cards last week, and we were able to, someone from the staff contacted every single person in the church that filled out a card. And if you filled one out and we didn't contact you, I promise we didn't get it because something happened. But uh, we'd love to pray with you. And, and there's going to be a big thing this week. The theme is like, what if it's too good to be true, right? Have y'all ever felt that way? Anybody in here, honestly, show of hands, I felt like this thing that I'm about to do this thing that I'm about to try to get sold, I've talked to a used car salesman before in my life. This is too good to be true. So seriously, has anyone ever felt that way? Right? I want you to look at the person that's closest to you. You can look at me. I want you to look at the person that's closest to you and say, it ain't too good to be true. Say it loud. Look at the other person that you didn't talk to and say, you must have bad breath. All right? All right. So listen, listen. If you've ever felt that it was too good to be true, too good to be true, I'm with you. All right? Five years ago, it might have been six, because I'm not 100% positive Lainey was born, but she was little, I think little tiny, and we got, um, we got someone to watch Lainey, it might have been Leah's mama, and we, we uh, drove up to Asheville, because we got a brochure in the mail that said, if you go to our thing, this is 90 minutes long, we will give you a free flight to anywhere in the U.S., no blackouts, Right? It might have been longer than that. I need it to be longer than five years because this is a really dumb story. So let's just say it was 10 and pretend that, I, that I've learned. But have y'all ever gone through, like, who, like, let's just start with this. Who has a timeshare in this room right now? I need you to raise your hand, Father. Thank you. Thank you. Because he's got probably four because I've been through the things when I was a little kid. At some time, you've had four. Like, we, we have got, like, I remember as a kid this big sitting in those 90-minute Three hour, if y'all have been through it, sessions where like they're selling you something, and it's like, oh my gosh, I could be playing right now. This is awful. And they're all kind of the same, but then the higher end ones that they don't feel sleazy when you walk in, they're they're not quite as aggressive, which is much better. This was not the higher end type. So I'm just giving y'all some advice. Y'all can take it or leave it. If you don't remember anything else I say and you remember this, this will help you. If you don't want to do the Jesus thing, but you remember this. At least this will help you in life a little bit, all right? If you get a card in the mail from Asheville or anywhere else on this planet, and it says, we're going to give you a free flight. You don't have to do nothing. Don't believe it. 
Because it's too good to be true. It for real is. So Lee and I go to Asheville. We're walking through. We're, they're doing this little nice tour. And they have all these, like it looked like boards like this, right? And they had all these cool things. And they were telling us. And they kept going back to Vegas. And I kept going back to Asheville. And I was like, hey, we're in Asheville. What are you selling me here? No, listen. We have this property. We can show it to you on a map. It's amazing. You can even go to Hawaii. And I was like, that sounds awesome. And so they kept just selling us stuff. If y'all been through it, you know what I'm talking about? Selling us, selling us, selling us, selling us. And it's just like, holy crud, you are selling me a lot of stuff. You can get 400 million points if you'll give us $30,000 right now. I was like, if I had $30,000 right now, I wouldn't give it to you, bro. Like, you're just looking at him like, this is nuts. And he kept going and kept going. And, and I just remember looking at Leah saying, don't we get to show them our bank account? Because once we do, we're going to get to go home. I just want the free flight, right? And in the thing, it said you get a free flight and a hotel voucher. And Lee and I had already planned the trip. Y'all have done this before. On the way up, we had already planned the trip because it was any major uh, airport in the U.S. Anyone. No blackouts. So I'm like, sweet. Since Leah loves sports so much, we'll plan it around a sporting event, right? I'm thinking of her, not me. This is me being a loving husband. And so we were going to go to, like, Chicago and watch the Cubs or watch the Bulls or the Bears or something like that. You know, like, do something that's awesome or go to L.A., and hit a couple games or something. And I'm, this is me being a loving husband trying to, you know, serve my wife. And so, like, we had already planned it out. We had already, it was awesome. And so we had sat in there for, thir- for 90 minutes, and I'm looking at the clock, if y'all have done this before, and I'm looking down at my, my whatever I had at the time. I'm sure I didn't have a tablet at the time. And I was like, for real? We've been in here 90 minutes, and I feel like y'all hadn't even gotten started. When am I going to get the airline tickets? Y'all have been there. And you start looking down going, yeah, I'm not sure this is going to happen. Because it feels like there's going to be strings attached. Who, who's with me? Who, there's going to be strings attached. And whatever you offer me, there's going to be strings attached. Something ain't going to be right. We, we get done, and we have said no for the 700th time. No! I don't want your timeshare. It's not it's fictitious. I can't even see it. I don't, I don't want it. I, I just want the flight. And I literally looked at the person because they were very aggressive. And I said, listen. Bro, I just want to fly for free. I came up here because you sent a brochure to me. I didn't send one to you, and I want your free flight. I never intended to even consider buying your property. I don't have money. Right? Seriously, what I told him. And he was like, and they got mad. And I'm like, bitch, you sent it to me. I didn't say, you knew I was coming up here for that. I didn't come here for thinking, I'm probably going to buy this property today. But they were mad at me, literally angry. And then, Seriously, if y'all have been to this one, you know what I'm talking about. I'm coming from behind this. Then you have the dude that's in his office, right? He's the closer, right? Craig Kimbrell. And he comes out, and he's got the weird sleazy shirt on that he forgets to button to here. Y'all with me? And, like, the gold nugget ring that's, like, this big. And he's like, he's either going to shoot me or sell me something, but that's the only two options I have. This is not good. And he's like, bro, I got a deal for you. Come sit down. And I'm like, how did you just come out of Brooklyn and to sell me something? This is so weird. And he sits down, and he's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to scrap this whole deal. And he starts just drawing on this piece of paper. And I'm like, what? I, I said, no. If you give it to me for free, I don't want to pay for the things, whatever you have to. No. And he's like, no, for real. And he wasn't going to let me stop until I said yes. It took him 40 more minutes. And it was about a total of almost four hours and I just looked at them finally, and I was like, I just want my airline tickets. So we get to the window. If y'all have ever done this, you get, there's like a little window, like you're checking in to go to the doctor, but this is to check out. 
Sign number one, it's too good to be true, right? And they're like, okay, we need all your information. We write it all down. We're going to send it in. You'll, you'll, you'll hear back from us very soon. This is awesome. We need $50 a piece from you to lock in. At this point, why did I give my $50? Like, I want to go hit myself from six years ago in the head with a, with a bat or something, say, whack, and just go, hey, bro, too good to be true. No chance. We're in the car on the way home. I have given them $100 and my credit card information, if I'm not mistaken, dumb number two. And I'm just driving, and I'm like, and Leah's like, where do you want to go? And my wife is much nicer than me and also much more trusting than me on things like this. And I told her, I looked at her and said, go where? And she said, well, our free flight. And I said, our flight's going to be to Sparkle City. We're never going to L.A. or Chicago or any other fun city on them. Why did you pay them $50? And I said, well, poop, I had just been through four hours. I at least wanted to give it a shot, right? I mean, this was awful. But she said, you really don't think that we're going? I said, no, we ain't going. Why? Why did I say that? Because it was too good to be true. It's for real. And I'm thinking on the way home, the dude with the gold nugget ring, he's going to come kill me. And, and there's no way that they're going to give me something for free. And isn't that kind of the way that it feels in the Christian life? Like if you're a follower of Jesus today, and if you're not, please stay with me. But if you're a follower of Jesus today, don't you look at the promises of God and go, yeah, that's awesome. I mean, like, following Jesus and having faith, that all sounds really good. But it's really too good to be true. Like, there, there was this, this unseen God who loved us so much that he would send his son to die the worst death ever so that he could take on sin. Not your sin or my sin alone, but all sin so that I could be given the right to be called his child. For real? That, that's tough. That seems too good to be true. And that's the way we treat it all. And listen, if you've never had that thought before, that's awesome. And I'm not sure you can be a human being and not kind of have that feeling at some point in time in your life. And when you grasp it and you get it to an extent, because I preach every Sunday and the love of Jesus is so massive that I can't fully get it, right? It, but I know this, I know for a fact in my heart and life that it is alive and it is real. And you say, you can't touch it, you can't do it, it seems too good to be true. No, but it's alive in me and I can tell you what he's done in me and today what he's doing through me and, and when I'm struggling the promises that, that I can claim and go through but, but, but now listen, listen no matter where you are in your life right now much like we're going to look at Abraham and Sarah what we tend to do is say, yes, I will take that step that I need to take to follow Jesus yes, even though I fall in my circumstances I'll keep walking and we reach back Y'all with me? We reach back. We say, as long as I can hold on to this. Because I still have to have control. And if you put something in front of me that's too good to be true, I'm not sure I can grasp it. I'm not sure I can grasp it. Hebrews chapter 11. And if you're reading, if you're following with me in the Bible week by week, I'm, I'm going just verse by verse in Hebrews 11. And that is the faith chapter. The author of Hebrews gave us a chapter in the Bible that describes what faith really looks like. And there's several verses. Abraham got a big chunk because most people got one verse and Abraham got a big chunk. And the first week and the second week we dealt with leaving, leaving your comfort and going to live in tents week two and, and having circumstances that stink like in Egypt and having to lie about who my wife really is. And then this is, this is week three. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age. Now, when you read that, you think past the age, that's awesome. 
I am 42 years old. I'm 45 years old. So I would consider myself past the age. I would, first of all, this is free. I would consider 34 past the age because I have two and my second one hangs off of your rafters and he's never been to your house. If he could find a way, he would go from jumping in this to hanging on these lights because he is buck wild. So after I had my second kid, I became past the age. Good grief, someone needs to say amen right now. But past the age is not 45 or 55. All of us may feel that way because we don't want more kids. I love my kids, by the way. They're awesome, for real. But if anybody is interested, just y'all can send me a Facebook message or something. But anyway, but like in our minds, some of you have a notion of how old that is, but it's not 90, right? 90. Or a hundy. 100! Because when we read it, we're like, okay, we put it on the flannel board when we were little kids. We believe that's true. But 100, like here's the deal. 100 is 100. So, so it's not like back then 100 was like more like 35. It's the, uh, 35 is the new 100, right? No, this is after the flood, and this is when people were dying, not at 950 years old, but at about 130. Eh. So this is really freaking old. And then all that stuff that goes through your mind about being 100 and that and how the babies come and stork and all that. Like, that's so weird. Like, for real? 100. But it says by faith, believing God, trusting, taking steps. She received power to conceive even when she was past the age since she was considered, excuse me, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Who's faithful? God is faithful who had promised. And and in this point, I know the promises of God. And if you know Scripture, if you've studied Scripture, like you can think back to promises, and if you haven't, that is what is so sweet about reading Scripture every day. It's not about claiming things falsely and not looking at the full context, but there are certain things that we are promised. But even in that, it's too good to be true. And in this case, it's too good to be true, God. There's no way. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead, Abraham, in one man, 100 years old, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. By this one guy, Abraham, by faith, he left Ur, a place that was comfortable and a place that he didn't have to worry, to go to a place that was promised. And he continued and he lived in tents. And then his wife got pregnant when she was past the age, which is another way of saying really stinking old. Because they believed God. And so, listen, there's a tension. There's a tension in this life. And this is the tension. It's either what if or it's God will. But it's never, it's never what if I think God might. Right? I mean, at the point that it's what if, it's I hang on to these things because what if it's too good to be true? If you, if you write this down, please write this down. If you, if you remember one thing today, I want you to get this. Fear, which is ultimately what what if is, isn't it? Fear says what if and paralyzes us. It cripples us. It, it makes us not be able to move. And I don't mean literally. I mean spiritually. We literally cannot move in our lives. It, it, maybe y'all aren't like this. But this morning on the way to church, I thought about a couple things. And they're no big deal. And I begin to run through them in my mind. Listen, the whole time, my, my intention on the way to church, and I go out there and I pray, so don't mess with me, please, every Sunday morning, right? I'm by myself, and about 8.30, I pull in, and hopefully for 15 more minutes, I'm out there praying and getting my heart ready and all this stuff. And as I'm doing this, I'm talking to God. This comes in my mind. 
This comes in my life. This overwhelms me. And do you know why? Because I'm not proud of it, but it is who I am, and it is what I fight against. I do not believe it, but it is still something that I fight against constantly. It's because in my life I said, but what if this happens? But, but no, seriously, but, but what if this happens? And the ability for me to be anointed, and I want you to listen to this word. If you didn't grow up Pentecostal, that's okay. And if you grew up Baptist like me, we don't use this word much. But I've been using it lately because I believe strongly in this word. Because, guys, you have the capability and the capacity to be filled by the Holy Spirit and to change the world with the gospel. And it is, it is, it is pride to say, no, it's not about me. It's about what Jesus does in me. And then never say, but God wants to change the world through you and through me. Do you understand that? That you are a container that is able to be filled by God. And he doesn't want you to say, God didn't use me. No, he's proud of the fact, God is proud of the fact that he can take you, a jacked up person, and me, a messed up dude. And exchange what we were for what we're becoming. And say, I, I can do anything I want. This fast, at a clap of a hand. I can, I can change the landscape of everything. He breathed. He breathed and made a human being. And spoke and made light. And in his hand, Scripture says, David tells us that in his hand, he holds the universe in the palm of his hand. That is how big our God is. And yet, he looks at you and says, no, I, friend, I want to use you. I choose to use you, and through you, I will accomplish what I want to accomplish. Does he need me? Of course he doesn't need me, but it brings him joy when I do. So, so what keeps me from that is fear. It's the what-ifs in my life. Because what-if says, oh my goodness, what if this happens? What if this person? What if this? And I hold on, I hold on, I hold on, I cling to, don't I? But faith says he will. I believe that God will. No matter what it is that I'm facing, no matter what it is that's about to come, he will. And it releases me to be everything that God wants me to be. And so this morning, I want to read to you in two different places, and they're short passages in Genesis 17 and then 21. And I want to show you this story and just quickly break down what this was like, what the he will might have been like and what the what if might have been like. And for so many of us, it's like me sitting in the in the sales office, and I'm thinking, man, this is too good to be true. Your life is not too good to be true. What God can do in your life is not too good to be true. And even if your life is falling apart right now, the message of hope in the gospel is not too good to be true. It is absolutely, absolutely, he will do it in your life if you'll let him. Genesis chapter 17, starting in verse 15, says, And God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall... Not call her Sarai, thank you, Jesus, we can call her a normal name, but Sarah, because I pronounce it bad, shall be her name. I will bless her. And moreover, I will get, excuse me, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her and she shall be, excuse me, and she shall become nations. She shall become nations. Now, what's the significance of that? Who was promised at this point to be nations? Y'all can call it out. Who, who was already promised? If you leave Ur, I will make you a great nation. Who was it? Say it loud. Abraham, right? Is this a game changer? He did, God didn't say right here, I'm going to make you a great nation. That's already been promised, right? He knows this. Who did he promise to make a great nation? Sarah, right? It's not just you, Abraham, that I'm going to make a great nation, but I'm going to make Sarah a great nation. 
This is a y'all thing together. I'm fixing to show you why that's important. I'm going to make her a great change. Kings of peoples shall come from her. At this point, can you imagine what he was thinking? That Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child? <laughs> like, bro, can you picture it? <laughs> I'm just going to remind you of this. I know you're God, and I know I'm Abraham. Glad we got that settled. I'm a hundred! <laughs> For real, bro. And he laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man that is a hundy? For real? Is this real? Are we having this conversation? Have y'all, y'all have had that with your spouse if you're married, and if you say you haven't, that's all right. You're allowed to lie. But, like, you've looked at them before and said, are we having this conversation? Is this for real? Are we for real having this conversation? Right now, are we having this conversation? Y'all have said that to your spouse, haven't you? Please say yes, because if you haven't, I feel bad. All right. But, like, this is to God, and he's like, God, is this real? Shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, oh, that, and this is the what if, by the way, this is the things that we cling to and hold on to that are in our past that we're like, God, I follow you and I trust you with anything, but I have to be able to keep what I want to keep for this agreement to work. Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. Now, can I tell you the significance of this? At this point, what he's saying is, listen, God, I'm cool with your plan. So far, it's been awesome. I left Ur. I've done my thing. We had a couple bumps in the road in Egypt and a couple other things along the way, but up to this point, it's been kind of cool, and I know we're going to the land you promised, but, but Sarah told Abraham 13 years prior. They would have had a 12-year-old boy at this time. You know what? I, I'm barren. I cannot have kids. Why don't you hang out with my maidservant? Y'all pray and read the Bible, and then you can have a baby because that's what you do afterwards, and then that's awesome, right? And so why don't you do this? Why don't you dictate God's will for your life? Because I know God promised that you'll be a great nation, but you don't have a son, and I can't offer you a son, and God can't do these great things. What if we don't have a son? What if you aren't a great nation? You go be a great nation. And what did, what did Abraham do if you, don't, if you don't know Scripture? He did what she told him. And he looked and said, what if she's right? What if I, you know what, I'll do that. I'm, I'm going to do what, what I probably shouldn't do. In fact, I'm going to do what I know I should do, and I'm going to knowingly choose to make my destiny take place rather than allow God to be my destiny. Rather than allow God to go through me and in me, and out of me flows His Holy Spirit because what is in me will eventually come out. It literally comes from Scripture. And out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. It is what is inside of me that eventually comes out. And so, God, I got this. Uh, this has been awesome so far. Good journey. But at this point, I'm going to take over because... I want to do this. And at 12 years old, if you're a dad in the room and you have a son and he's 12, can you imagine what this must have been like for him because he loved his boy? That's not the chosen one. The chosen one is on the way. Not only is it crazy, but it's also that you're old. Your wife, up to this point, and it, again, if she had had 10 kids, I think it's less nuts, still pretty crazy at 90, but she had none. She could not. And now all of a sudden she can Verse 19, God said, no, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him, with, with, with Isaac, not with Ishmael, not with your plan, but with my plan. I will establish my covenant with him. 
as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. Let me explain what a covenant is real quick. Some of y'all know, some of you don't. That's okay, either way. If you know it, just stay with me. Do y'all know why I wear this wedding ring? Do y'all know it? If you've ever been to a wedding I've done, you've probably seen me do this. Like, we take marriage kind of just, it's cool. If I want to get married, I'm going to try this thing out. It's like test driving a car. We're going to see what we can do, right? And I'm not trying to make a joke right now. And um, the key, the importance in marriage is marriage is one of the couple things in life that I can have a covenant with the Almighty, with God. This is, this is a picture of the circumcision that the Jewish young boys would take to prove that they are set apart. This is what that is. This is the covenant that I have made with God. If you don't wear a ring, it's not bad. So don't misunderstand what I'm saying. If you chose to do a tattoo, it's not like God doesn't look at you and say, oh, you don't have a ring on. This is a picture of what that means. It's the reason we wear a ring is to, one, show that I belong to Leah. Two, that, I am, that I've made a, a binding agreement. Back in the day, when, when they made binding agreements, the king had a signet that only he had. And if he did not seal it in the wax, it was not a binding agreement. That was a covenant, a binding contract with the king. Well, this is what that is. Marriage is me looking at God before everyone. And when, when, when I say this, it's not just to say it when you get married or when one of our other pastors or when you've been at another church that said, before God, forsaking all others for the best I can... I will, I will live with this person. God, I am, I'm committing myself to you that this is my wife for the rest of my life. Well, that's the deal. That's why marriage is so big. But, but now, here's another level. The day that many of you have trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, and if you haven't, man, we hope that's the day for you. But for every person that's raised their hand or been at a camp or been at a conference and, and you stood up and you said, I will follow Jesus Christ, Today is my day that I will say yes to him and I will take that step. I will take that plunge and I will be a Christian. In your heart, the same thing happens. In your heart, you're set apart. He's, he's made a patent, a covenant with you and he, and he binds it. And, and this time it's not wax, it was, it's with his blood that he died and shed on the cross. And then the reason that it's sealed forever is when he rose from the dead. And that's unbelievable. That's so cool. That's so cool. And so we do have a covenant. And everyone's like, how can you be sure? Because I've made a covenant with God. More importantly, God made a covenant with me. That once I fully trust in him, taking that step, not believing and holding on to everything else that might be. And I'm not saying we don't fight against fear because we do constantly, don't we? But it's my faith when I step out and say, God, it's yours. It's not mine anymore. And I trust that it's about you, not about me. Well, then that's that binding agreement. That's why marriage is such a beautiful thing because it's the picture of what the bride of Jesus Christ, that's us and our groom, the Lord Jesus, that's what we are with him. That he looks at us like I look at my wife and say, that is the most beautiful thing that I've ever seen. You're like, how can Jesus think that I'm beautiful? Because you're his bride. And every husband that has ever seen his wife walk down the aisle for the first time knows that feeling that you feel in your heart when you're looking at your bride and you're like, oh my goodness, who am I to be this blessed? Can you imagine that the God of the universe that sent his son to die the worst death ever thinks that of you? Is that not beautiful? Is that not crazy? Now skip to chapter 21. They're, they're skeptical and they don't know what to do and they're frustrated. But all the while, and this is what I love about Abraham, they still believe God. And they're having second guesses and they're having second thoughts and they're struggling. They're saying, what if, what if, what if? And then in chapter 21, Verse 1 says, the Lord visited Sarah. The Lord came to her and said, as 
excuse me, as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. Her womb that was closed opened up, and she became pregnant. And it says, and Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken of, at the exact time that God had planned, at the exact moment in the plan that God had, not before, not after, but at the exact time that God had appointed. So, so important at the exact time she bore him a son. And Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised him. Watch this. He's like, why do we circumcise boys today? Is it just because so we can clean and so it is clean? That, that's honestly why it happens today. But that is not why Abraham circumcised Isaac. Because in those days with no good technology, my nurses and doctor friends in here, y'all would know this, it would be so, so difficult and with an eight-day-old baby back then. But it was to show that I am set apart, that I am his that I am the, the chosen son of God. And when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him, he was circumcised. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And it wasn't like a ha-ha, look what you've done, but, but a joy, an amazing joy. Look what God has done. This makes no sense. You know, in our lives, when we can make sense out of things, God probably isn't needed. It's in the moments that we look and say, that was impossible. Are you kidding me? That there's joy, isn't it? That's when joy comes to our house. When we look and say, there's no possible way this could have been the outcome. No, it's too good to be true. There's no possible way. What if this happens? That's when laughter comes. That is the picture of what Isaac is, the son of promise, the son of laughter, and not ha-ha laughter, but joy. He's the son of joy. And, and it said, and she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? And she doesn't mean at 90, she means ever. Because in her joy, what she looked at is the circumstances that led up to this point and what she believed she was not or could never be because what she believed about herself. Many of you sitting under my voice right now. Believe things about yourself that you begin to tell yourself over and over. I cannot be that. What if I do this? What if I don't accomplish this? And you are wrong, friend, I'm telling you. Through God, anything is possible. If it can be explained, we didn't need God in the first place. And that is what I love about this story. Who would have said the servant would nurse children? Yet, I have borne him a son in his old age. I want to show you, I want to show you a compare and contrast of uh, Jesus and Isaac. And this is one of my favorite parts of the story because um, these, both of these sons were like parallels. It was like, it was like Isaac was amazing and he was, he was, he was, he was the son of promise. But listen, he was also a picture of what was to come that was much greater than Isaac. That was amazing. I want you to see this. Both were promised sons. Right? They were both promised to their parents. Both cases. Shock, horror, this can't be happening. Right? In one case, it was because they were really old. In one case, it was because they were really young and not married. 14-ish, maybe 13. 
Yikes, right? I mean, can you imagine that is horrible? That is awful. Both were promised sons in circumstances that could not happen, that made no sense. Both were born after a period of delay. 90 years. God, are you kidding me? A hundred years. Abraham waited his whole life. He did not live a long, long life after Isaac was born. But God had appointed the exact time. Both mothers were assured by God. Both mothers were assured by God in Genesis 18 that we did not read. And then in Luke chapter 1, the story of the birth of Jesus, you can read these assurances of God. Both were given names with rich meaning. And if you don't know the names of Jesus, that is one of the greatest studies you can ever study. That, uh, at Christmas, my mother-in-law gave me a, a card, and it's in my car right now. And I look at it all the times of all the names of Jesus and what they mean. But let me just tell you, the hope that he gives me is he's my Savior and my Lord. And that is the name of Jesus, the Lamb who takes away the sins of the world, the hope of glory. And those are the things that give me so much hope. But this was the son of joy. Why did he bring joy? Because it was not possible. And yet, with God, all things are possible. And he made it possible so that he could fulfill the destiny that he had for Abraham. And that's what's so cool. Both births occurred at God's appointed time. Both of them. At the exact time that God appointed. Again, you can read this in Genesis 18. At the exact time. And then, and then what we just read, Genesis chapter 21 verse 1. Said at, at the time that God planned, this happened. But in Galatians 4, 4. And then other parts of the Bible, it tells us when Jesus came. And this is one of my favorite ones in Romans. Chapter 5 verse 6, it says at just the right time when I was utterly hopeless. Christ came to rescue us, to die for us, to die for us. It's unbelievable to look at what Jesus did and realize that he is the picture of Isaac. Both births were miraculous that could not happen. A virgin birth, a 90-year-old woman impregnated by a 100-year-old man, impossible. And both births brought great joy. And the joy of Isaac, the joy of Isaac was really cool. I mean, it, it was... It was like when you guys, some of you are parents, when you guys had your child and the joy that came when you had your child, that was awesome, wasn't it? But then it was even more so because it was impossible. And some of you had to work really hard to have kids, didn't you? Like I have close friends that I'm not far away from right now that had to work really hard to have kids. I mean, you did everything you could. And the joy that comes when you don't think you can is unbelievable. But then at this point, it's the promised son of God. It takes it even to another level. And it's even crazier. Are you kidding me? God, this is impossible. But now listen, I need everybody right here. This is crazy. For hundreds of years, they had waited on Jesus. Believing that the king was coming. Believing that the king would restore all of Israel back together. And we, nine, twelve tribe of Israel born Gentiles, had no hope. Do you understand this? We had no hope. The joy came because he was a son of promise for an entire nation. Jesus. Jesus was born because he was the son of all of us. The father that would, that would set the captives free. Do you know who the captives are? Do you know who's in jail? Every person that has breathed breath on this planet is a captive in a jail cell called sin and me. And this is the difference. This is why joy can come to us this morning. 
when I stop looking at what fear does and I start looking at what hope is. Fear says, fear says, what if? And it cripples us, doesn't it? It holds us down and it, and it captivates us. Because I constantly look back looking for what if, what about Ishmael? He's the son of promise. No, I've got something better. But faith says he will and it releases us. Man says it's too good to be true. What if, what if all of this is too good to be true? And God says, daughter, son, watch what I'll do. Watch what I'll do. Guys, every single one of you, I don't care who you are or where you come from, with love in my heart, I want you to know this morning that you are a daughter or a son that was born on purpose with a plan and you have to throw away the what-ifs of life and all the things that are holding you back from what you can be and trust the fact that God appointed this time, this day, to change your life. God wants you to be his son or his daughter. Now here's the deal, here's the deal. Just because you were born doesn't mean you're a son or daughter of Jesus. Doesn't mean you're a son or daughter of our Father. It means that you have the opportunity to accept what grace is. But so many people say, you know what, I'm just going to keep doing good. I'm just going to keep trying hard. And that's not good enough. We'll never be good enough. When Jesus came, he changed the game. He made sin even deeper and even harder to feel everything to be good enough. But he also made grace big enough to feel no matter how big the sin is. None of you are too far gone. None of you are too far gone. Jesus wants to save you right where you are right now. And you've got to throw down the what ifs and you've got to say, I will follow Jesus. And so the question becomes this, the question becomes this. What is it in your life that you keep holding on to that's in your past? Or you believe that God cannot do because there are promises that are made for you. And this is my favorite one. If you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive them and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. And if I do that and believe that he died and rose and is alive today, Jesus, the son of joy, came down. John chapter 1 verse 12, so that I could be called the righteousness or the son or daughter of the king. I'm alive and I'm his. And this is the question that I have for each one of you wherever you sit. Are you, sir, and you, ma'am, a son or daughter of the king today? Or do you allow circumstances in life and situations to keep you from the life of faith that is no matter where it does, no matter where it goes, and when it makes no sense? Because honestly, life makes no sense sometimes. When things happen, I say, I don't know, but I really believe it's Jesus. I really believe he's doing it. I believe it's crazy. And the question is this, will you stop looking at what is behind you and what has held you back and say, I'm just going to take the step toward him and I'm going to be free in Jesus. Freedom, not being in captivity, is not looking at what I get to do, but looking what I was and realizing that I'm free from that forever and ever and ever because he took my sin so that I could be his righteousness. Will you bow with me? With your heads bowed and eyes closed, this is the question that I want to know just from you. How many of you in here would say, Pastor Mark, honestly, just straight up, dude, I need that so bad. I need Jesus to come in my life and radically change me. I want to be saved right where I sit right now. If that's you, I just want you to throw your hand up as high as you can. We had one in the first service. Thank you. Thank you. Who else? Who else would say right now, that's me? Keep it up if you don't mind. Keep your hand up right now. Who else would say right now, I need Jesus 
to save me right where I am. I want freedom. I want new life in Jesus Christ. I want to be saved. Listen, listen, we're going to celebrate with you because we were just where you were if you feel that way. And it was at the moment that I realized I was hopeless and alone and dark and cold that I had life and light flow through me. It's not what I do, but it's what he's done in me. We want this for you. Anybody else in this room, raise your hand right now and say, Pastor Mark, that's me. I want freedom in Jesus Christ. All right, next thing, real quick, real quick. Everybody can look this way. If you have been saved, we got a couple people getting baptized. We had four in the first service. This is what I want you to do right now. We have clothes for you to change into. We have plenty of towels and we got a tub that is 85 degrees. If you have not been baptized or you got baptized and you know in your heart that you were not serious, there is not a better time than right now. There has never been a better time than right now. I just want you to stand up and say, I'm getting baptized right now. We're ready. We're ready. We got time. We're going to sing a song just right now where you are. Just stand up and say, I want to get baptized. If you know that's the next step that you need to take and you weren't serious, this is the very first commandment that God gave us. And if you know that's what you want to do, listen, we got clothes for you. We got, we got to change. We, we are ready for you. If that's what you want to do, I just want you to stand and say, Pastor Mark, I want to take my very first step as a follower of Jesus in honoring him. I'm ready to live free. If you need to get baptized, stand up right now wherever you are. A couple more seconds. We got clothes for every size if you want to do this. Will you all pray with me? God, we are so excited that today two people was there one day that they, are, that they are set apart and they're free in Jesus Christ. God, there is nothing better than realizing what I was and realizing what I don't have to be. Realizing that I am truly free in Jesus. That it's not a list of all the things I get to do or all the list of things that I cannot do anymore, but realizing that on purpose, I made decisions that were directly in rebellion of what I should have done. And now I realize that I don't have to do those things anymore and you have freed me. God, thank you for freedom. Thank you for grace. And thank you for loving us before we loved you. God, I pray that like Abraham, even though we're skeptical sometimes, I say, God, what if this thing's too good to be true that we'll continue to look at you and believe that you are God and we are not. And God, you counted it as righteousness because he did that. And I believe you will do the same for us. God, I'm so excited about baptism right now and celebrating new life in you. And so God, we stand right now and we praise your holy name because you are worthy. And we love you, Jesus. Amen. Will y'all stand?